three. You're listening to Sports Talk Chicago with your host, John Zaglul. John, I am fantastic. Thank you for having me. You got an awesome voice, man, and that was a terrific <laughs> intro. You're like a pro's pro. You know, that was the first time somebody ever said that, John. No, you're the first person to ever say anything like that. That's, that's very interesting. You got it, John. Anything for a fellow Chicago guy? <laughs> well, what a great question. That's a great question. Nobody's actually asked me that. <laughs> I like it. What a great question. I never heard that before. Chase, wait, wait, Chase Utley is what? You're saying he's not a Hall of Fame candidate? You know, it's it's funny. I, I, You may be the only person that I've heard make that connection. Thank you, John, for having me. I'm doing great. By the way, you have an outstanding voice. I'm not sure about your face because I haven't met you, but your voice is great. You're doing a much better job than I ever did. You've had some heavy hitters uh, guests on too, man, so keep up the good work, but it's good to be with you, and I'm ready to talk sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Sports on Chicago. My name's John Zaglou, and great to have you here. Today's edition of the program, we're going to break down the latest for the Bears head coaching search in just a moment, plus a brand new interview today with David Haw. The host of Mully and Haunt, 670 The Score. Talk with him more about the Bears head coach and GM search, the Bears season, and so much more. It's a great interview when it comes your way near the midway point of this show. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook at John Zaglul. If you want to listen to more of this show, search up Sports Talk Chicago. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, SportsTalkChicago.com. I want to start today with this. How do you determine what it takes to be hired? What are the criteria, the questions you ask to make sure you find the right person? Obviously, you look at a resume, find out their career track, how they start, have they progressed, are there real results? I know some who look at the past job. Were you fired? Did you quit? What did you do? Why are you here? What's the problem with that last job? See, these are common sense questions the Bears should be asking. Now, with Ted Phillips being in on all these head coaching interviews, I doubt they're being asked, but they should be. Any common sense person knows this is what you need to ask during an interview. Plus, of course, technical questions about the game. We know this. So I'll report today about some finalists for the Bears' job. These might surprise you a bit. I was also shocked, according to Ian Rappaport. This is new. There are more candidates who are going to get a second interview with the Bears. Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn, ex-Lions head coach Jim Caldwell, Colts defensive coordinator Matt Eberflus has his second interview on Wednesday, too. So right now, those are the finalists. Earlier today, Leslie Frazier was considered a finalist. According to Albert Breer, that report was nonsense, apparently. It was discredited. But as of right now, as I talk to you today, those are the three finalists. Dan Quinn, Jim Caldwell, Matt Eberflus. You might think, okay, well, not Brian Dable. That could be a problem. Nope, Brian Flores. So what does this mean? Well, what did I just say? When you're doing an interview, what questions do you ask? What do you want to know? I mean, really, let's get down to it. What do you want to know during a job interview? 
Will they fit with your organization? Yes, but how about their past? We scrutinize. We wonder, what have they done before? Are they qualified for this job? Do they have results? Do they prove it? Have they done something to indicate they deserve to even be here? Out of all these three names, I'm not sure if that's the case. I'll explain why in a second. I'll break down each one in a second. I just want you to put it through your head. We're talking about head coaches, GMs. We need a resume, right? We need a track record. We need to remember what happened in the past. Can't forget about it. You need to have good memory. See, there's a difference when you're hiring in the NFL. Everybody knows everything. We all remember these people's resumes. We've seen it with our own eyes. Bears have seen it. Bill Polian has seen it. We all have. Not like I'm a salesman flying to a different company and they know nothing about me. This is all public knowledge. There are statistics that break down each one of these coaches, their strengths, their weaknesses, what they've done in the past. We all know it. We all see it. So I'm pretty scared that the Bears are settling on these three guys. I mean, we saw the Bills on Sunday. You're going to tell me Brian Dable doesn't deserve a second interview? Really? I'm all for Leslie Frazier being gone. The Bills' defense collapsed late in that game. That's fine. What about Dable? Josh Allen had four touchdowns. Josh Allen, his rookie year was nothing. Even his second year, not much. I used to tear into him. Thought he was a bust. I did, I'll admit it. Thought he was a bust. Dable worked with him, made him better. I was a top quarterback. I saw people last night saying, this is the new generation, Mahomes Allen. I don't disagree. Sure. But Dable played a big role in developing him. And I get it, Josh Allen has talent, big body, big arm, I understand. But he had that before. Had to be developed. I remember the scouting report on Josh Allen out of college. Big arm, no accuracy, not even a bit. I had to learn it. He did. See that throw he made late in the game, fourth quarter? Yeah, accurate. On the money, set up the bills to go to overtime. Josh Allen is not a joke. Brian Dable made sure that happened. He is still my number one guy for this job. Offensive mind. Developed a quarterback, didn't have Tom Brady, like Fiber Leftwich, didn't have a superstar, had to develop him, build him from the ground up, and move on. The Bears of Justin Fields. Everybody raves about Justin Fields' raw talent. If he's similar to Josh Allen, there shouldn't be a problem in developing him. Dable would probably do a great job here. And yet, as of today, he is not being considered for a second interview. I read you the names of those who are finalists. Dan Quinn, Jim Caldwell, Matt Eberflus. I've said this before, say it again, I'm not really opposed to Jim Caldwell. He's respected in football circles, been around a long time, successful. That's the one guy I'm not really as mad about. And though a lot of people are, a lot of people aren't happy. Oh, he's old, been out of the game a long time, never won a Super Bowl. I, I get it. Jim Caldwell's done some good things, both in Indianapolis and Detroit. 
You can say what you want about Indianapolis. Yeah, they had Peyton Manning, right? Carried by Manning. Fine. What about Detroit, though? They had Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford. Not a superstar. Good quarterback. Not a superstar. Not a great team. Had to work with what he had. To win 11 games with the Lions in 2014, that's an accomplishment. To finish there with a winning record. I mean, he was fired after going 9-7. Jim Caldwell. Now look at the Lions. They fired Jim Caldwell for guess who? Matt Patricia. Did that work? They actually thought they'd get something better in Matt Patricia. Oh, hey, Patriots D.C. Bill Belichick, coaching tree. Bill Belichick, coaching tree's done nothing, by the way. Nothing. But even more than that, I don't know how you fired somebody going 9-7. and seven. That was the last year the Lions have been over 500. Jim Caldwell was the coach. If he could do that with that trash heap of an organization who's going to be on the up and up now, he could certainly do that here in Chicago with Justin Fields. I have no issue with Jim Caldwell being hired at all. My preference is Brian Dable, but I won't be mad. I won't have outrage about Jim Caldwell. A lot of people will. Seen it already on Twitter. Oh, he's old, doesn't know what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> 62 and 50 career and was a winner in Detroit. Out of all places in the NFL, he was a winning coach in Detroit. That should tell you all you need to know about his aptitude as a coach, who he is. He's respected in league circles. I don't know why he hasn't gotten a job since Detroit. Maybe he's wanted to be out of the spotlight. But Jim Caldwell deserves a job, no question. Should have gotten one after Detroit, really. I mean, to get fired going 9-7 and seven with the Lions? Doesn't make sense. Good guy, respected. I mean, think about this even. Peyton Manning played for him. Matthew Stafford played for him. They liked him. There was never controversy around Jim Caldwell, the way he coached, who he was. How he dealt with players and quarterbacks. Look at today. I mean, you got so many quarterbacks complaining about their head coaches, having problems with them. On Caldwell's case, for the most part, everyone seemed to like him. And I think he'd be great with his team. Veteran. He'd be respected. Got no problem with it. The problems I have are with Dan Quinn and Matt Eberflus for different reasons. I want to talk about Dan Quinn first. Remember what I said? I have to study their experience, their resume. Why does everybody have short-term memory about Dan Quinn? Why is he even being interviewed for jobs? Do we remember what happened? Dan Quinn did nothing in Atlanta. And he had Matt Ryan. Say what you want about Matt Ryan. Not a bad quarterback. Didn't have a bad team. Blew a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl. Tom Brady. I don't care who it's against. You blew a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl. Which tells me, you don't know what you're doing in big games. So even if the Bears were lucky enough to make the playoffs next year, I would be so scared knowing Dan Quinn is coaching. But even more than that, think about this. Last season, we all remember the Falcons when Nagy took out Trubisky, put in Foles, the Bears came back and won. 
The Falcons went 0-5, and he was fired. Worst defense in the NFL. Had leads in every game they played. They gave them up and lost, went 0-5. Fired midseason. Look at how bad Matt Nagy was. He was still given to the end of the year. Falcons, Arthur Blank, the owner, didn't waste his time. Just said, you're out of here. You're through. <laughs> Can't even deal with this. When you look at Dan Quinn's career and record and what he's done, there is nothing impressive. Nothing. He was 43-42. and 42. Only had two years above 500 in that line with that team. So I don't understand why he's even considered a finalist. Why he's getting interviews in general, but why he's a finalist. Let me get this straight. 500 coach, blow a 28-3 lead in the biggest game of the year. Fired midseason, going 0-5 with the worst defense in the NFL. Worst defense in the NFL. Defensive coordinator, defensive mind. So defensive-minded coach, had the worst defensive football, gave up five games out of the game, was fired midseason. Now all of a sudden, he's a finalist for this job? I don't think so. That would be a horrible move. And yes, you would see a lot of rage on my end. I wouldn't be happy. He's done nothing significant. Look, it'd be different if his record was a bit better. If they made it to another Super Bowl, won. They didn't. They should have won. They lost. Blew it to Tom Brady. And there's really no justification for that. You know, some people could say, well, he paced the go. Well, it doesn't matter. They blew it. They dominated that first half. Blew the whole game. That was a colossal failure of coaching. Really, more than anything. Share the players' play. Colossal failure of coaching. How you let a team come back down 25 points at halftime is beyond me. And they did. And they lost. And they blew it. That's Dan Quinn. That's a finalist for the Bears' job today. Yeah. A finalist for the Bears' job. And look, I get Dallas's defense was great this year. No question. No question. But are we going to forget about what he did in Atlanta? Are we going to forget about how bad their defense was? 2020. Atlanta's defense, 25th in the NFL in yards given up. 25th. Blue games. Left and right to the Bears to Nick Foles. Dan Quinn's team blew a game to Nick Foles who came in mid-game. And he was fired midseason. 0-5. Blue games. Blue a Super Bowl. 500 coach. What's the appeal? What's the appeal in hiring him? What's he done? I don't get it. I've never understood it. I don't know why he's getting all these interviews. You know, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm missing something. But I don't see the point. Based on what we've seen and what he's done. Why does one year in Dallas expunge the rest of his career? Makes no sense at all. Then Matt Eberplus. Look, I'm not on a witch hunt for Eberplus. I don't know the guy too well. Never been a head coach with Chick. So be it. I mean, Dable hasn't either. Here's my problem. For a defensive-minded guy, his defense has always been middle of the pack. It hasn't been elite, per se. I mean, this year, Indy was 18th in yards given up. 
the middle. And before, they were all right. Seventh in 2020 and fourth in 2018, but 18th this year. Nothing really to hang your hat on. But even more than that, think about this. Who's helping out the Bears? Hire the new head coach and GM. Indy's favorite son, Bill Polich, who's 79 years old and said Lamar Jackson would be a great wide receiver. It's not a coincidence, Eberflus is the Colts' defensive coordinator. It isn't. And if there's one thing you want to know about me, I hate favoritism. I hate politics. Just give it to the person who has the most merit. Why is it that hard? Why is it that hard to worry about pleasing this person, pleasing that person, patronage? I'm going to help you out. I'm going to help you out. Can we just do this based on merit, please? And you've seen this team, right? We remember how bad they were this year. Everybody wanted Nagy gone after a couple of games, let alone all season. Phase two, for the most part. We remember this, right? It's only been a couple of weeks. And we're sitting here, helping out people, scratching backs for people, showing favoritism. It makes no sense to me. And look, I get it. They're the Bears, right? So maybe I put too much faith in this coaching search and what they're going to do, but seriously, come on. You'd think the Bears are in the business of winning. You'd think. And if not, they are. We are. Fans are. Fans are in the business of winning. They want to see this team good. There's a reason why Matt Nagy and Brian Pace were fired. Why are we doing the favoritism thing? Look, if Eberflus is the best guy, so be it. Fine. But I'll tell you this much, he's certainly not the most accomplished guy, and for some reason, he's a finalist. Don't tell me that's a coincidence. It is certainly not. It is not a coincidence. The Colts defensive coordinator with the 18th best defense in the NFL this year is a finalist for the Bears job with no coaching experience. And Bill Poligan is leading the search, or helping, sorry, consulting. Keep that in mind. Always keep that in the back of your head. So if the Bears make this higher, I won't necessarily be mad. I'm going to give the guy a chance, 100%. But if he doesn't work in a year or two, well, and we know it was favoritism. And Bill Polian screwed the Bears. So I have my reservations about him. Never been a head coach, middle of the pack defense, and most importantly, you need to develop Justin Fields. We all know this. I mean, this is not news to anybody. The Bears need to develop Justin Fields. Matt Eberplus, some D.C., who hasn't done much in the NFL, is not going to be doing that. He's going to come in to help out the defense, and that's great. But how's he going to deal with Justin Fields? We don't know. You know, Jim Caldwell, to his credit, he's dealt with Peyton Manning and Matthew Stamp. Dan Quinn dealt with Matt Ryan, and he still sucked. And Eberplus is not an offensive guy and has a mediocre, middle-of-the-pack defense. And he's a defensive coordinator. And yet he's a finalist. A finalist. That makes no sense. How's that even possible? That's when you know favoritism, politics, scratching somebody else's back, and that is a big problem. 
We saw the report last week. Ted Phillips is actively engaging in these interviews, which is horrible. We all railed Pace and Nagy, and that's fine. They deserve to go. Ted Phillips stayed. Ted Phillips has been with the Bears since 1999. Look at how many GM and head coaching combos they've gone through already. And now he's there hiring the next one, hiring the next victim to make everybody happy, to make things seem like they're different when they're not. Oh, well, we got Bill Polygon to help. Well, you've gotten people to help you before, and you've screwed it up. When are you going to say, well, maybe it's me, maybe I'm the problem? No, never going to happen. Can't admit you're wrong. The people who suffer are you and I, Bears fans, Bears media, who cover this joke of a franchise right now. That's a problem. So I hope they get this right, but you have to remember, right now, there are serious issues with this coaching search. There are problems when it comes to who's being considered finalists and where the Bears go from here. The idea that Dan Quinn, who went 0-5 and got fired midseason, who blew a 28-3 lead, who had Matt Ryan, is even being considered is a joke. A joke. Jim Caldwell's the only one in which I could understand. Truthfully, I could. Colts ties for sure, but could back it up. You can't talk smack about Jim Caldwell. He's dealt with two great quarterbacks. He's a winner. We all know it. Fine. Dan Quinn, not a winner. No. Matt Eberplus, I don't know. Nobody knows. Genuinely, nobody knows what he's going to be. For a founding franchise, wouldn't you think there'd be better, you know? Everybody raved, this is a premier job, and these are your three finalists? <laughs> Quinn, Caldwell, Eberflus. Great team, great city, good quarterback. And why the hell is Brian Dable not a finalist? Why are the Bears considering, seriously, a guy who was fired mid-season just last year? Who Nick Foles beat coming in mid-game? Who's a defensive guru and had the worst defense in the NFL in Atlanta? Who had Matt Ryan, who blew a 28-3 lead? Who went 43-42? If this is such a premier job, this is a big deal across the NFL. Why are you scraping the bottom of the barrel? That makes no sense. No sense at all. You're supposed to be going after the best names, the biggest names, somebody who developed Justin Fields. And we're talking about Dan Quinn? <sighs> if I was a Bears fan right now, I'd be just so insulted. What do you think? We don't remember? You think we don't remember what happened in Atlanta? I do. I follow the NFL entirely as a whole, nationally. Maybe I talk bears on here, but I know what goes on, and I remember what happened. Arthur Blank did it personally. The owner fired him. 0-5 season, 25th best defense, you're out of here. And yet, as of today, he's a finalist. It's a shame, too, the Bears have had so many people come in to be interviewed. To their credit, they've been thorough, 
These are the people they're impressed with. That should tell you all you need to know about this process. Hope they get it right. I really do, for the sake of everybody. But as of right now, based on these names, they're far from being correct. More to come here on Sports Talk Chicago. My interview with David Hawk comes up next, so stay tuned. Please welcome David Hart to the program. David, it's great to have you on. How are you? Hey, John, doing well. Pretty busy uh, week this week, but that's a good thing. What was your reaction to this Ryan Poles news for the Bears? I think the reaction is, is that uh, I thought it might go on a little bit longer. Actually, uh, I, I felt like they wanted to get this done and they wanted to hire him before he, he got out of town. Or maybe he's on his way to Minnesota. That contributed to it. But, yeah, I, I think that from the beginning of this process, the, the big thing, big picture-wise, was the Bears really needed to commit to change, organizational change this offseason. I just felt like after seven years under Ryan Pace and four of Matt Nagy, you know, they had not won a, a playoff game. And, and so – that was the focus, and, and I think it'd be silly to try to predict or conclude whether or not this was a great hire or a terrible hire. I, I stay away from the extremes on day one of a general manager's tenure. I think the focus would be on he's got a good reputation. He's going to have to deliver results, but the fact is Ryan Poles represents a change from Ryan Pace, and that to me is progress. Was he your preference amongst all the candidates the Bears interviewed? Well, I don't know that I'd say that he was my preference, John. I, I think that it's really hard to know what some of these guys who have never run departments before or been in charge of teams, it's really hard to know what to value and how good they're going to be at it because I just don't know that it's, it's one of those things that you realize how good they're going to be until they do it. So my preference likely would have been going into this to, to do what the Bears really don't, don't always do or really seldom do. They never have done this at the GM spot, hire experience. I might have gone for somebody who or talked to people who had done the job before. Rick Smith with Houston, Rick Spielman in Minnesota, you know, these kind of guys. Jeff Ireland, I would have given a long, hard look at just because of his experience. The, the thing is, is that the Bears – typically stay away from that for reasons that, you know, we could, we could talk about, but I, I think they're well-established. I mean, they, they, they like um, that they, they, they don't like people around that might challenge the conventional wisdom or the way that they typically approach things. And, um, and that's why you see from going back to Jerry Angelo, who had never done the job before replaced by Phil Emery, who had never done the job before replaced by Ryan Pace, same story, and now Ryan Poles is the latest first-time general manager to uh, take over the Chicago Bears. Does that scare you a bit, that they keep going with that same mold? Well, I, I think, I, I don't know about scare, but I, but I do think it's, it should um, concern some people that it, it prevents you from making uh, positive assumptions, right? It's, let's put it that way. And, and, and you know, the, the cynicism surrounding the Bears is easy to understand, when you see them consistently 
do business in the way that they're used to doing business and it's not working and they're not necessarily changing. And that's the problem. You know, it's not, it's easy to sit here and say, you know, whoever they hire is, is, is the wrong choice and everybody's got an opinion just because it's, you know, it's an industry in which we second guess everything. But when you go into it and, and you, you try to urge them to value experience, uh, that, then I think when they don't, it, it makes you wonder why. And, and look, it has nothing to do really with Ryan Poles and, and his credentials as much as it just has to do with uh, an organizational philosophy for some reason or another. You know, the McCaskies don't feel comfortable hiring people who might come in and, and tell them how to do things. They're much more comfortable, it seems, based on these practices of hiring somebody who comes in and they're telling them, you know, this is where the coffee machine is. This is the where you park your car. This is where your office is. This is the way we do things here, even if they don't work. What do you think of Bill Poley and helping out this search? Well, I've always been uh, uh, somebody that respects Bill Poley. And I, I haven't gotten too carried away in the criticism of having his involvement. I, I, I really value his judgment and have a lot of respect for his accomplishments. Um, I, it doesn't bother me that he is going to leave after his consultant's role and the fact that people want to say he doesn't have accountability. That's the nature of, of, of any consultant in any field. You, you, you're buying their expertise. And from, from what we've been led to believe, he has been definitely instrumental in structuring this search and making it as widespread and comprehensive as, as, as it's been. And, and frankly, with the Bears, you, know, you want somebody in the room that um, has some football acumen. And so they've widened, uh, they, they, they've widened the scope and they've been pretty comprehensive. And they, out of you know, 15, 16 candidates for the general manager job, they arrive at Ryan Poles. And, and I, I feel like with Bill Polian, they left no stone unturned. So I, I really like the way that um, they went in that direction. And without Bill Polian, I'm not convinced that they would have fired Ryan Pace. So I suppose that from that standpoint alone, it was a, a good investment with, uh, with the money they spent to get Bill's expertise. How would you characterize this situation for Ryan Poles, everything that he's stepping into with the Bears right now? Well, okay, so then you take a step back, John, and you look at it from the, the vantage point of a 36-year-old first-time executive, you've got to be excited. And, and I think that you've got to look at this as an opportunity that's a rare one because you have never run a, a, a team before and you're stepping into a football-crazy market. Uh, you're stepping into an organization that is on the verge of a breakthrough um, and, and changing locations and building its own stadium. So that comes with a, a, just a ton of energy and excitement and enthusiasm that is at your disposal if you make the right decisions. And you also have a franchise quarterback, by the way, potentially who was on his rookie deal, which would allow you to build around, around him. If you want to objectively, you separate the cynicism that we're sort of inherently conditioned to have about the Chicago Bears, this is a goldmine situation. This is, uh, this is a, an enviable spot for Ryan Poles to be in because he is also, by the way, in a division that could be the worst in football or maybe let it put it the other way, the most winnable in football if Aaron Rodgers doesn't return to Green Bay. So you have a tremendous opportunity to, to make an, an immediate impact in a, in a football city that is desperate for success. Do you think... He makes some significant moves coming up this offseason. Like, what do you think his plan should be moving forward? 
Well, we'd all we'd be guessing, right? Because we don't really know what he stands for, other than he comes from an organization that was smart enough to take Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> and and good for them. The Chiefs are the Chiefs because they drafted Patrick Mahomes and they got all the other playmakers. And Andy Reid is there and smart enough to figure out how to use them all. But Ryan Poles, if you're going to look at the Bears uh, objectively, you know they have to. I want to know what he's going to emphasize. What do you want to stand for? What's your identity going to be as a football? organization as a football team uh are you going to invest in the offensive line i think that would be my priority one you've got some aging stars on defense you've got some bloated contracts perhaps you can look at eddie jackson's you know the robert quinn and Khalil Mack are expensive you're going to have to lock up roquan smith long term but those are things that when you look at defensive uh talent they have it they've got it so i don't know that you feel like you need to do much more than tweak your defense offensively you've got a, an immense challenge. So you don't have the playmakers that you're used to being around if you're Ryan Poles, and you certainly don't have anything on offense that you know that you do well. You have a, an, a quarterback full of potential who had an uneven rookie season. You've got a dynamic running back, and then you've got the rest. And I don't know that you know what you have, but you've got to figure out how to, uh, what to prioritize, which I hope is the offensive line, and then how to identify pieces, whether it's through the draft, which they don't have a first rounder, or free agency, or maybe a specific targeted, well-executed well trade to get the right people in your building, on your roster, to make an impact for, on Sunday. David Hall here on Sports Talk Chicago. David, what's your take on the head coaching search right now? Well, as we sit here today, you know, we're in the midst of, of interviewing Dan Quinn and, and uh, Matt Eberflus after uh, – interviewing, first of all, Jim Caldwell. Those seem to be the three finalists. I think for the sake of uh, thoroughness, and, and I don't know that it, they need to be in a huge hurry, you would like to see Ryan Poles extend the search to uh, add a, a name or two, a person or two, who is his own, uh, who is, uh, he would say, okay, if I, if I ever got the job as a general manager, this is who I was going to interview whether that's, you know, Eric Bieniemy or somebody else on his list from his past or just recommended to him. Maybe it's somebody who was on the Bears list they've, they've already talked to. Doug Peterson is a guy that he, he worked with in Kansas City. You know, uh, Brian Flores is somebody that they share, you know, a Boston College connection. Whatever it is, whoever it might be, I would like to see him extend the search just to bring in somebody who he wants to talk to if for no other reason, John, to remove that, that layer of doubt that this is somebody else's search and it would be somebody else's candidate. Because we went through that with in Chicago with Ryan Pace and John Fox. You know, Ryan Pace almost was absolved accountability and responsibility for the John Fox hire because everybody seemed to attach um, John Fox to Ernie Accorsi, the consultant who was in the Bill Polian role back in 2015, which I never thought was really right because Ryan Pace if you are the general manager and you get the job, you should have the gumption to tell them from day one, I am or I'm not going to hire this guy. So that's why I'd like to see Ryan Poles maybe add some people who are his guys and interview those and then make the choice from that pool. Who do you prefer as head coach out of these candidates? Well, the ones left, uh, you know, uh, if I had to say, if I were interviewing these guys, my sense is that Dan Quinn would probably blow me away. He understands how to communicate. He's a very dynamic uh, talker. He speaks football language. You have no doubt where you stand after a conversation with Dan Quinn. 
but that you know that that's just me. I, I don't know how how uh, that would connect with Ryan Poles or what they're looking for necessarily. I have a lot of respect for for Jim Caldwell. I just don't know if, um, frankly, you know, you got a 67 year old head coach who's known for stability, and you've got a young quarterback that you want to, you know, build with for the next five to seven years. You would imagine conservatively. Is that really, are those two things compatible? Um, maybe you could make that argument, maybe not. I, I guess it wouldn't be my first choice that you could live with Jim Caldwell. Matt Eberflus is also very um, intriguing only from the standpoint of if you talk to people around the National Football League, whether it's people that have worked with him in Indianapolis or uh, in Dallas, he, he has a ton of respect and he's somebody that you could see being the quote-unquote leader of men, the kind of guy they're looking for, even though he's a quote-unquote defensive head coach. I think you could find a way to sell sell the idea of Matt Eberflus coming to the Bears and growing together with Ryan Poles. In terms of compatibility, you, know, you could see those two guys growing together, uh, sharing more than just an agent, <laughs> sharing a vision and a common purpose. But I do think that that also gets you back to Two guys who have never done the job before may be ideal for the McCaskies, but not necessarily the ideal situation for a franchise that really needs an injection of confidence and, uh, and energy. What's the most important quality or characteristic that you want in a head coach? Um, that's a really good question. I, I think that you want to be able to uh, have a, a clear vision of what your football team looks like every Sunday. You want to have a clear uh, definition of, of who you are and how to get there. You want to have a clear identity. You want to have somebody that when they say the Chicago Bears are coming to town, you know what that looks like. You know what that sounds like. And if you're the opponent, you know what that feels like. I think you're in Chicago. You have to embrace the physicality of what that represents in terms of tradition, in terms of the elements. You know, it's old-fashioned, and a lot of people want to play – you know, hey, you look at the Final Four and it's video game uh, football and it's offensively driven and you've got these schematic geniuses as head coaches and they're right and they're absolutely right. But you look at the Bears roster and that's not who they are. And they're a long way from getting there. So I think that you want to embrace certain things about you know, the realities of your organization and your past and certainly your roster as well. So I want a, I want a head football coach that can find a way to make my team uh, as good as it possibly can be, max out my potential, and and play and play with a signature each and every Sunday. And do you see that in the three finalists that we just talked about? Uh, I I believe Dan Quinn could could establish that identity, that mentality, you know, and, and eat it to to play hard, play tough, um, and play a certain style of football. We're talking about a guy that was the defensive coordinator of one of the most legendary defenses in Seattle uh, that we had have seen in the NFL since the 85 Bears. There's a connection there. I mean, he understands what it's like to call signals for a team, for a defense that's historically good. So there's no question. And, and defense still matters. I know it's still um, one of those things where, you know, how are you going to, how are you going to keep pace with the Rams and the Bucks and and, uh, and the Chiefs, you know, how are you going to be that kind of team? Well, I don't, I don't know that you are. You're going to be able to compete maybe. Um, but offensively, you're, you're, you have to find the right offensive coordinator, and that would be an important hire, certainly. But Dan Quinn, to me, would have the clearest 
most uh, uh, mo most significant uh, identity. I think the, the most the easiest one to identify. Put it that way. Then the other two with Eberflus and Jim Caldwell. I'm not. I'm really not sure. I think Jim Caldwell with the Colts and the and the Lions threw the ball an awful lot, and um, you know he was known for being pretty steady in the boat. And that's not a that's not a criticism. That's the way Lovey Smith sort of ran it. But Lovey had the defense that it was always his signature. So I think Dan Quinn of the candidates that are finals probably has the the most uh, predictable uh, identity. Does his tenure in Atlanta concern you at all? Well. You know, John, I think everybody, he got fired, so he started 0-5, and, and he kind of, the last two, last two and a half seasons were nothing that he, you know, necessarily proud of. Uh, talking to some people down there, he left him with some situations with the salary cap that weren't really great. But uh, I think guys on the second tour, in the second go-around, are going to learn from those kind of mistakes. He did win the NFC. You know, he had an NFC championship. He coached in a Super Bowl. And, and that was as far as Lovey Smith got in Chicago. So I think that you have to respect the fact that he, that he did what he did down there. And then things kind of fell apart. But he'll be better the second go around, wherever, whether it's in Chicago or New York or Minnesota, Denver, wherever he's interviewed. So, I, yeah, I mean, you're going to have concerns about every candidate you hire. There's not the perfect candidate. You hire Brian Flores, you're going to have concerns about the reasons he was fired in Miami. You hire... Um, you hire any of these guys and you're going to wonder, but I don't think that they rise to the level where I would say no, because of the way things ended in Atlanta, Dan Quinn can't succeed in Chicago. No, I don't agree with that. What's the expectation for the bears next year, assuming they hire the right guy. Now they have polls as general manager, get the most out of Justin Fields, show some competitiveness. Uh, you have, depending what goes on in green Bay, a chance to maybe compete for uh, a division title in, in the worst division in football, but that's okay. But I think you've got to have uh, somebody that gets the most out of Justin Fields offensively. You've got to have a clear identity, and then you have to be competitive, and you have to finish the season with the arrow pointing up. You've got your first year, and and you want to show progress. You can't be running in place, and you can't be, God forbid, taking a step backward by the end of next season. You want to be where you wanted to be at the end of this one with, uh, with a lot of optimism and hope invested and a young, promising quarterback. How much time do you think they'll get, Poles and whomever the coach is? I mean, will it be as long as Nagy and Pace, or less, or more? Uh, I don't know that you can you can predict that yet, but I, I think that you know the Bears are pretty pretty patient historically. Now, you know, unless you absolutely are a dysfunctional mess that has lost grip of, of any sort of you know, direction that you, you hope for, which is what happened with Phil Emery and Mark Tressman. But I don't, I don't envision that happening again. Let's hope not, because that, that was really a mess for everybody. So I think that uh, they'll probably sign long-term contracts, get uh, reasonably between three to five years, I would think, to, to show some progress. You want to win a playoff game. You don't want it to be a decade between playoff victories. Again, you want to start to see some direction here. And Brian Pace was here seven years, and they got to the playoffs twice once they backed in and once they earned and, and lost, but they didn't have a victory. You want to have somebody come in here and within three years have a playoff victory. More to come with David Haw in just a moment. Stay tuned. Vincent, Sports Talk Chicago.
David Haas still here on Sports Talk Chicago. David, a few more questions before we finish up. First off, your reaction to the Hall of Fame results was one. Well, David Ortiz, somebody I voted for, and um, so I, I really, from a fan standpoint and a voter standpoint, you wanted to have somebody else besides him get in, and I voted for five five people, and, and I think that uh, I understand what's going on with Bonds uh, and Clemens and, and why they're not in. I did not vote for them. I, I think there's a distinction to be drawn between you know, David Ortiz and the fact that he, you know, passed drug tests after the stringent policies were instituted in 2004, uh, not in the Mitchell report. And there's some questions surrounding the positive test he did have after uh, when he was mentioned in, in that um, back, back in the New York Times story. And Rob Manfred, the commissioner, uh, you know, basically exonerated him. And, and I put some stock in that. Now, it's, it's one of these legal arguments almost you have to parse and you have to cite precedent and you have to explain. Whereas I wish the, the Hall of Fame would have you know, a little clearer direction for the voters because everybody's gonna interpret it differently. Like I could sit here and explain to you the next half hour, you know, each person <laughs> I voted for and didn't vote for, it could bore you to death, but everybody's got their criteria and it's different. So I think that we could use a little guidance here. Are you comfortable being the gatekeeper? Do you enjoy doing that? Uh, you know, I, I enjoyed it at first, and, and I, be, I think it's becoming uh, – I do enjoy it. I have to say, I, I enjoy going through it. I enjoy the process. But what's, what gets a little tiresome, to be honest, is, is having to constantly defend it. You know, and I think <laughs> I'm all for transparency and accountability, but it, um, it becomes – harder to defend because you you see these different arguments and you see the different rationale used and you understand it all and then you start to second guess yourself a little bit and then you're like okay this is why I did this and 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 it's just a process that it invites it invites scrutiny and it deserves criticism in some cases and I think that we're privileged to have these votes but at this point in time it's like something that you look forward to every year and then you sort of there's an element of you that kind of dreads it because of having to, you know, explain and defend things that should be fun. And you, when we talk about baseball's uh, struggle in appealing to the masses, this is part of that. You know, this is part of that because there is such a division on these issues, the PEDs and not PEDs, the Hall of Fame, and where the line for integrity and character is, and should that even be included? Because, you know, you look around the league and who knows what about whom, you know? So it becomes a, more of a morality discussion, which is really – uh, not something that you like your sports discussions to veer into, and yet that seems to be always the direction we end up heading. Do you think the Veterans Committee puts in all these steroid guys? I think at some point in time, whether it's a Veterans Committee, whether it's the creation of a of a new committee, whether it's just an edict from the people that run the Cooperstown Baseball Museum, I, I, somebody is going to come up with a way that is appropriate that appropriately recognizes what these guys did, it's impossible to write the history of baseball without Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Alex Rodriguez, and everyone else who is, you know, going to be left out. Sammy Sosa here in Chicago. And, and I think those are the kinds of things you recognize and realize somebody's going to have to, somebody's going to have to intervene and, and um, you know, let everybody in because when you, I don't know if you celebrate, it's a museum that uh, celebrates baseball, certainly, but also commemorates everything that's happened. And how can you do that without acknowledging what these players accomplished at a time where they were celebrated and, and uh, revered in some cases? 
and now they're going to be ostracized. Uh, so there's some inconsistencies there that I think right reflect the problem baseball has in marketing its game. And um, yeah, that's going to be something I think eventually uh, is a problem. Somebody figures out a way to solve. And David, before we finish up today, last question, how did you get away with roasting George McCaskey? <laughs> You're referring to the press conference where uh, George said that when I was muted, and thank goodness I figured that one out, right, John? Um, that uh, it, was a, it was the best question I've ever asked. I, I think it was funny. And, um, you know, George, I have a lot of respect for George. We have a pretty, pretty good relationship over the years. Uh, and... Let's face it, John, I did not unmute my Zoom, uh, my computer, and it was my fault. So <laughs> if George roasted me and I got him a little bit back with his zinger, I deserved it. He probably did too. So it was all in fun. Well, David, thank you so much for joining me. Always a pleasure. Best wishes, of course, on Mully and Hall. Great radio program at 670 The Score. And looking forward to the next time we chat. Thank you so much. Keep up the good work, John. Thank you very much. Great talk there with David Hahn. That'll do it for us today here on Sports Talk Chicago. Big thank you to David Hahn himself, Matt Tubiel, WCKG, Jim DeTalvin, to Marvel Entertainment for making this show a success. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook at John Zagluo. You want to watch more of this show? Search up Sports Talk Chicago, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, SportsTalkChicago.com. Another great show comes with tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. Till then, stay safe. So long, everyone. No! No! You're the turtle!